welcome in to the Lady Vol Basketball Fever Podcast, part of Vol Basketball Fever. We're a show dedicated exclusively to talking about the Lady Vols and news around the program. Tune in to hear thoughts and discussions from experts who cover the Lady Vols on a daily basis. Now, here's a new episode of the Lady Vol Basketball Fever Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome in to another episode of the Lady Vol Basketball Fever Podcast. I am Nathaniel Rutherford, joined by a special guest here again on the show. Thank you so much, Maria Cornelius of 247 Sports of Go Vols 247 for joining me on the show. Really appreciate it. You are very welcome. It's good to see you again. It has been, I have, I've still got, I'm still trying to, I've got one eye on my computer, everything coming in. It has, as you know, has been a significant basketball news day with everything going on right now. Yeah, we'll try not to keep you too long because, as you said, it's busy, busy, busy. Uh, Not just because we have the NCAA tournament, but the Lady Vols also, as of us recording this on Thursday, got a huge commitment from another transfer, which we'll get to in just a second. Tennessee's uh, second transfer in the last month, I I guess, here uh, for the Lady Vols. We'll get to that in just a second. Again, I want to thank all of you all for tuning in here, on whether it's on YouTube or it's on the podcast. Uh, Thank you all so much for subscribing. If you haven't subscribed yet please do you can subscribe to the youtube channel by clicking the button down below or if you're listening to this on a podcast we're on apple Podcasts, spotify google you name it we're there give this video a like on youtube and please share it around and, and let other lady vol fans know about the lady vol basketball fever which we do try to do every single week uh, one episode per week but maria as you had just mentioned uh it's a busy time and we have a lot of good news to talk about for lady vols we have the fact that the Lady Vols are in the Sweet 16 for the first time in six years. I mean, I can't believe it's been six years. But finally, they, they break that second weekend drought. Uh, Cora Hall of Knox News and I talked about that last episode. If you all want to go back and check that out. We talked about, you know, can the Lady Vols finally break that that second weekend drought and hosting the first couple the first couple rounds, I, I said, would be probably huge for that. And it was because, uh, Maria, they needed some home court advantage and needed some of that that kind of home court feel, especially in the second round. The game against Buffalo was tight for a while, but the Lady Vols were able to kind of pull away late. Against Belmont, there was no pulling away late. You had the fight, tooth, claw, nail, and everything in that game to win that one. And, of course, you had the late game heroics of Sarah Puckett nailing that corner three. Uh, Of course, she deserves a lot of credit. But obviously, to me, the the biggest credit uh, aside from that goes to Snoop goes to Alexis Dye because she has been phenomenal. It's, uh, Alexis Dye in March is just a completely different animal. Uh, she's been phenomenal for Lady Vols and was really the heart and soul of that win over Belmont. So I kind of want to recap the first couple of rounds before we move on to Louisville. But Maria, we're here in the Sweet 16. That's that's what the goal I think of for this team. What I my goal was for this team was to get there because of all the injuries and the attrition they've faced this year. I thought it would be an accomplishment for this specific roster without Jordan Horson, especially, and without um, just Marta Suarez and without Kean Green to make it here to break that streak to show progress, and they've done it. And now they got a chance to move on, maybe even more. We'll get in that second, but I, I just want to talk, you know, ask your opinion on the first couple games and really the kind of the resolve that they both showed against some really good. Uh, double-digit seeds. When that bracket rolled in last Sunday night, and, and Patches has been quiet all all day, and here she goes. When that bracket rolled in, and I saw Buffalo come in, I'm like, wow, that is a tough. For Buffalo is a well-coached team. 
and a tough team. And I knew, I said, all right, that's not going to be a typical first round game. Mm -hmm. And then I saw Belmont and Oregon. And when we did brackets that we had to pick for CBS sports, two, four, seven sports, I actually picked Belmont to beat Oregon because I knew how well they could shoot three pointers. And if you can make a boatload of three pointers, they made 12 of them against Oregon you can sneak a win against a team that was what six four, six five, six seven across their their front line. Mm-hmm. So, I I was not surprised Belmont got got to Monday, and and as you pointed out, Tennessee was doing that. I needed that home court advantage. I mean that that crowd was insanely loud. Uh, the, the numbers weren't that high. They listed it, I think about five thousand. It sounded twice twice as loud, mm-hmm. and. I mean, I mean, props to Belmont. My, my goodness, what, what a tremendous uh, effort they showed. They showed the women's basketball and people who follow basketball understand. I mean, look what happened to Iowa on its home court, yeah. and look what happened to LSU on its home court. And Florida, uh, Miami gave UConn everything it could it could deal with. South Carolina, that game was thirty-one to eighteen against Miami in the fourth quarter. It's it's not the old days of, of the of the nineties and the early two thousands where those first two games at home, I mean, that especially that first one, I mean, you, you were gonna win by thirty mm-hmm. and set up hopefully something that that could challenge you in the second round and then off you'd go to the sweet sixteen. But Tennessee earned this one and I think this one is a particularly special considering the injuries, the loss of Ken Green, then the loss of Jordan Horston, the fact that Ray Burrell is still not back to the Ray Burrell that that people saw last season. She she has gamely tried to, to go on, but she is not that explosiveness that she had is not quite back yet. I think it would have been a very long off season had Tennessee lost that game because that that's yeah. a long time to to what if that game, particularly when you led by fourteen in, in the in the second half and. And I had said earlier, there's no pressure on Belmont. Absolutely none. No one expects you to win. Go out there and play loose. Go compete. And that's what their coach told them at halftime. If they beat us, they beat us. But go compete. Don't be scared of them. Go right at them. And basketball being the sport that it is, they did. And Tennessee suddenly uh, had struggled to uh, to hit a shot until, of course, Sarah Puckett unloaded with 17.8 seconds left. So it was it was a fun it was a fun early rounds. If you like women's basketball, I mean there were a lot of fun games to watch, a lot of close games to watch, a lot of upsets. I'm pretty sure everybody's bracket got blown to bits by that first weekend. Yeah, I, I did a women's bracket, I think, for the second time the last three years, and I was like, you know, I don't I don't feel super confident in my picks, but I'm gonna I'm gonna try it because I this is the most I'd watched women's basketball in a while. So I was like, I've I've watched more this year than I ever have, so maybe I can do well. And then I look at my racket yesterday the other day and I was like, yeah, you know, maybe not. <laughs> but like you said, that wasn't just me. I feel like that's been kind of, I mean, there's been a lot with Cora and I talked about last week that the, the mid-major teams and kind of the double digit seeds in this year's tournament, especially, it just seems like year and year now, <clears throat> excuse me, year in and year out now, the mid-majors and those double digit seeds have gotten better and better. I mean, to me, the Florida Gulf Coast pick was the easiest, one of the easiest picks I made because I thought they were just from what I had seen on them on paper and what I talked about with Cora, like they seem like one of the most massively underseated teams I'd seen. So you're right, like it's it's been a it's been a really really fun. I, I'm glad that the 
I'm glad the NCAA finally is letting the women's game use the March Madness moniker because it's been like the last few years, especially have been March Madness for women's sport and women's basketball. And this year is really more so than any year in the last few years I can remember. It's been very fun and very crazy to watch some of these games. I won't go into seeding too much because it's it's said yeah. and done. But on the men's and women's side, whatever formula they're using, whatever decisions they're making, it's not working. It, yeah. It's no. it's not working. <laughs> it needs to be overhauled. Uh, uh, Florida Gulf Coast deserved a much better seed. Heck, Buffalo deserved a better seed. And and I don't know in what scenario you send Oregon all the way over to Tennessee for a first round game. There's yeah, got to be a better Oregon. way than that. Yeah, that, that was wholly unfair to Oregon to to send them all the way to Tennessee for a first round game. That that made no sense to me. Yeah, I, I feel bad for Oregon. They got uh, that, like you said, that surely there's a better way to handle that. But before we, I guess now we'll kind of move on a little bit to the Sweet Sixteen. But I guess kind of before that and leading into it, I had mentioned you know Alexis die, and I want to give credit. You know, Cora had brought it up last week too about Alexis die in March, and I mean. I'm literally looking at her stats and her last four games, they've all been in March, you know, looking back to the SEC tournament too. She's had a double double in her last four games. And again, all four of them have been in March 16 and 14, 26 and 10, 18 and 11, 20 and 11. I mean, she has been, she has hit an extra gear when she's gotten into March and, and for this team. And that's been a huge uh, plus and a huge X factor for this team because they've needed someone like that to step up. Um, you know, Tennessee has played better when Alexis Dye has been good. And I think it's been great to see because you've had Tamari Key get, I get, I think zeroed in more on, uh, by opponents and Tamari still had some good games. Don't get me wrong. She's, she's still been playing well. And I've, I've liked the fact that she's been able to, you know, fight through some of the, uh, we'll say aggressive defense for <laughs> put it nicely against her lately, especially she's been, she's been held a little bit out there. Yeah. A little bit, uh, <laughs> just, just a little bit. Um, but Alexis has been, I mean, her, again, it shouldn't surprise people who've paid attention to women's basketball the last few years because of what she did at Troy in, in the tournament time as well. But I mean, she has just exploded here in these last four games. And I, I think, you know, she, if Jordan Horston isn't available uh, for Louisville and if Lady Balls make it to the Elite Eight, which we'll talk about in a second, uh, it's even more imperative that Alexis Dye goes out and has, you know, another, you know, double double type performance because she's filling that gap of, the double double machine that Jordan Horston was. Uh, I agree, and and she's only begun to tap into the, her potential as a basketball player. I mean, she she didn't start playing until eighth grade. Mm-hmm. She went to uh to golf Gulf Coast. Um, no, not I just forgot the complete. I'm sorry, Alexis. I just completely Gulf State. What? It's not Gulf Coast. Gulf. I gotta look it up now. I'm looking it up too. <laughs> Something it was a, a college, Juco right? school. I mean, I, I love Rooney Scoville, coach there, longtime friend of Lady Balls. They've known her for for a long time. I don't want to mess up because that that's a that's a national championship winning. Yeah, it was Gulf Coast State. Yes, that's a national championship winning program. Then obviously at Troy had success there, mm-hmm. but she has always. I mean, her athleticism, her ability to jump, her leaping ability is off the charts. Her yep. the, how quickly she can release her shot. She is just now putting together the pieces to become a basketball player. Her ceiling, we, I mean, she hasn't even gotten close. The WNBA is so hard to make a roster. There are so few spots, so many talented players. I mean, players are coming back, veteran players, players are coming from overseas. 
but I, I would think she could at least get in a training camp and if not, you know, not make a roster out of that, get overseas and, and work her way back back into it. She she just needs some some more time on the court, some more seasoning, some more. I mean, she, all the, she's a five-tool player. She's got all the tools right now and just and durable. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not aware of her ever missing a game. I mean, just a durable player and uh, delightful personality. I mean, people really like her, which is, is always good, too. Coachable. And I wish she had another year at Tennessee, but, but this oh, yeah. is it for her because I would love to see Alexis die, not just this outstanding double-double machine that she is right now. I would love to see her evolve as a basketball player, and I really do think the the better days for her as a as a basketball player are ahead of her. She's got that much potential. Yeah, and we've already watched her evolve you know, at Tennessee just within this year because, I mean, she came in from Troy as being – an undersized, like I guess maybe not in their league, but being an undersized post that was, you know, generally just in the post. And she's been in the post a lot for Tennessee, but she's really improved her mid-range game. And, and like you said, she's been, done a really good job of one of the reasons she's brought in was to crash the boards and be really aggressive on the boards. And she's done that um, exceptionally well all year. That's been the one thing that I don't think has been that has been consistent for her all year. When the scoring hasn't been there, when she's gotten in foul trouble, the thing that's still always been there for her has been her rebounding. Uh, and she's done a really good job of that, averaging you know most time all year, just about seven rebounds a game uh, pretty much the whole season. So again, mentioned that I think she will be the X factor for the Lady Vols as they move into the Sweet 16 this weekend. Uh, Maria will have Tennessee and Louisville on ESPN2 on Saturday at 4 o'clock Eastern over in Wichita, Kansas. This is a game that I... I, I figured it'd be Tennessee and Louisville in the 16. That's what I projected and picked and, and hoped, especially for Tennessee, uh, that they, you know, they would get there. And then, you know, I figured Louisville be, would be the who they'd face. But of course, looking at the seating or looking at the bracket and stuff like that, this is technically, you know, the, the weakest one seed. And I do agree. I think they are the weakest one seed. Louisville has a penchant for having really bad second halves, and really bad fourth quarters. This is a team that is beatable. This is a team that I think the Lady Vols, if they were fully healthy, I think would beat. Unfortunately, the Lady Vols aren't fully healthy. Before we dive into the game, though, I, I have to ask because it's the big question. You know, I know it hasn't been, you know, there hasn't been a whole lot of talk about it. I did see the video of and pictures and stuff of the Lady Vols going to Wichita and, of course, you know, Jordan Horston going with the team, bringing her caution sign <laughs> as she does. Uh, but has, you know, Maria, is there any sort of update on anything like that about Jordan Horston and her availability for this game? Yeah, Kelly met with the media uh, this morning before mm-hmm. the team departed, you know, took the bus to the airport to fly out to, to Wichita, and she does not anticipate at all her being available Saturday. Um, okay. She has done a remarkable job of healing, but the calendar still continues. I mean, we, we all do remember she fractured and dislocated her elbow, and it's yep. been five weeks. I think she has healed wonderfully. Well, you can see videos of her swinging her arm around. I mean, she... She, there's a picture of her picking up Jackson after the, you know, the second round win, but in terms of actually being able to do that and being cleared for contact in a contact sport, which basketball very much is a contact sport, she is not there yet. So does that mean that if they were to be able to get to an elite eight, that she could possibly be available then it's, it's always a possibility if they, were to get to a Final Four. I mean, Tennessee can beat anybody left in the field. They really can. I mean, then the, the likelihood of her playing increases even more. But I would not anticipate at all seeing her Saturday. 
she, she is not cleared to practice and we're talking it's already Thursday. So, right. Well, that's what I figured. It's unfortunate, but it's, it's what I figured. So let, let's, with that in mind, you know, again, we've not seen Horton Horston for several weeks at this point. So again, Lady Ball fans have, you know, aren't expecting her to be back. So let's look, let's look ahead to this game against Louisville because it's, again, I think it's very winnable, but it doesn't mean it's going to be easy. It doesn't mean I expect the Lady Balls to win because it's going to be tough. You have a, a Louisville team that has a trio of really, really good three-point shooting players uh, with, you have Van Lith, you have Smith, and you have Ingsler who are all, or Ingsler, excuse me, who are all shooting, I think, around 37, 38% from three this year. All three of those players averaging in double figures and scoring uh, 14, 11.9, 11.7. Uh, then you also have uh, Inksler, who's averaging almost a double-double with um, basically 12 points and, and nine boards a game. So this is a team that is very dangerous. But again, it's a team that we saw uh, <clears throat> go one and done in the ACC tournament, where they lost uh, 61-59 to Miami. It's a team that only has four losses on the year, but they've had some head-scratching performances, I would say. Some games where you're thinking they're kind of lucky they didn't lose in, in some of the games they played this year. So they're, again... <clears throat> they're deserving of being one of the top, you know, one or two seeds in terms of, you know, being a one seed or two seed, but they are a team that is beatable and a team that I don't, you know, I don't necessarily, I guess, like the way the Lavals match up with them, but I don't hate it. There, there are teams that Lavals would match up worse against um, in, in in this situation because I look at the size of them. They they have some decent size, but they're not a team that's going to overwhelm you with their size. But they're again, they're a very good team. Uh, you know them better than I do, I, I, uh, Maria. So I'll let you kind of dive into it more. But this is this is a team that I think Tennessee can win. I don't, I don't, I don't know though that I you know that I'm going to pick it. But it's it's going to be I think an interesting and fun game. Your your scouting report was actually excellent. I mean Haley Van Lith. I mean you she she's a scoring machine. I mean I think she had 21 points in the last game. She is somebody who can shoot her team into a win. Uh, you mentioned the other three-point shooters. They're a heavy, they're a guard lineup, and and Miami. I think you mentioned the, that they lost in the first round. Jeff Wass took the blame for that loss. He he basically because it's a, it's a tournament format without the day in between. He basically with the in the fourth quarter sort of pulled the starters trying to save some legs. Lead was about fifteen, and it, it's not enough in this game anymore. About a 25-point lead, you could start to relapse. But the way people shoot threes and – Yeah. I mean, look at Miami. I mean, Miami could not – South Carolina's defense is very, very good, and Miami could not score. But at the same time, it was 31-18 to 18 in the fourth quarter. So, clearly, Miami was a team that very capable of beating or at least hanging with top top teams. And so, Jeff took – he took the blame for that. He said, "I that, that's my – that's coaching error. And – and I, you know, he, that's not something you're going to repeat uh, ever. Was particularly when it's one, one and season done. Right, yeah. Olivia Cochran is probably the X factor for them, but she's, the, you know, they're forward, so she's going to have to, you know, she'll be called on to to handle Tamari Key, and and also it's going to be a challenge for Tamari Key. She's got to, she's going to have to guard her in different spots on the floor. So it's it, it'll be a game in which. Both teams will probably want to get to their bench uh, to 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 save. I mean, it, it could be a game that both both teams would be happy to, to run an accelerated pace and and get it moving. Uh, I mean, it, the good thing about like I said, Tennessee, all the pressure was on Tennessee at home against Belmont. You not only are you at home, 
You haven't been to a Sweet 16 in six years. Now, one of those was a pandemic year. So technically yeah. it's been five, but it's over the calendar at six. And it's Belmont. It's not like a Buffalo or a team somewhere else in the United States. It is a team right down the road, three hours down the road from 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 Knoxville. Yep. So there's there that was what if you ever wanted to have a must win game, that was it for Tennessee. Now they go in clearly, you know, uh, roster hits, four seed. Louisville's the one seed. They don't go in as anybody's favorite. They go in as the underdog and. Sometimes you can relax a little more when when you're not expected to win, or you could even make that, you know, you could turn it into feeling like you're being disrespected. Whatever a team needs to do to to get itself motivated, they you know, whatever they need to do. So it it is I think it'll be a good game. I, I think it'll be interesting to watch. I think it'll be fun to watch. All these games have been fun to watch. Trying to look at the minutes played. They're like Tennessee. Haley Van Live. I'm looking yeah. at the last game. Obviously, they beat Gonzaga. Gonzaga is a very good team. They beat as a one seed. They got Albany in the first round, and that wasn't you know. But Albany is actually a pretty solid program. But that is a tough. That's a tough. It's tough to be a 16 and go go into the home team's home court. Yeah. Um, look at it. Olivia Cochran played 24 minutes, so they also bring up uh, bring some forward help off the bench. Haley Van Lift went 37. Uh, so. So it'll be a team where, you know, players are going to have to log some some heavy minutes. The one thing Kelly has shown she will do all season is play her bench. When I looked mm-hmm. up in the first half, first quarter against Belmont, and she has all four freshmen and sophomore Tess Darby on the floor, and they not only held their own, they extended the lead like four, four or five points. Mm-hmm. So – and Kelly, you know, a lot of times some of us in the media are sometimes questioning some of her rotations because it's what we do. We we think we actually know how to coach. You know, we we wonder who's starting or who's ro- yeah, the rotation. And it's always a reminder. Yeah, you know, I tell people that, you know, the coach does see them every day in practice, in meetings, at film. She probably has a better idea of what she wants from, from her team. But Kelly has shown a willingness that she got here to go deep into her roster and to play play her roster. And she'll do it early in games. So it um, – and the good thing is that none of these freshmen are going in there feeling like they don't have experience. They, mm-hmm. They've they earned a, a – some of them a lot in the regular season, but then even Kaya Wynn and Caroline Striplin hit the rotation in postseason. So – and then Sarah Puckett. I, I, I do want to say that it, as impressive as the shot was, and it was an impressive shot, and when it left her hand – I said, that's going in. It was a perfect shot. It was, the form was beautiful. I'm like, oh my, that is going in. And, but she also was willing to take the shot. And mm-hmm. that is what is unusual, particularly for a freshman. Will you take that shot in that big moment? And she was willing to do it. So that says even more about Sarah Puckett than the shot going in is her willingness to take it. Because, I mean, you, you hit 38, 40% of your threes, you're an outstanding three-point shooter. That means 60% of the time you fail. And you have to be – it's like baseball. I mean, you yep. thirty a 300 hitter is Hall of Fame. Uh, so I, I, I do admire Sarah Puckett, and, and they ran that play to perfection in terms of finding the open player. Credit to Ray Burrell. She was doubled. She didn't have a clean look. And Belmont even said we had to protect the paint. You got Tamari Key and Alexis Die in there. The general thinking had to be, and that was one of the options, was to get the ball inside, tie up the game. Another option was 
go for the three, go for mm-hmm. the, go for the go ahead bucket. And they ran it. I mean, Alexis die set the screen. Jordan Walker got the ball to, to Ray. Alexis die set the screen. They converged on Ray. Ray turned and put the pass right where, you know, right, right where the shooter wants it, you know, not too high, not too low. So it was, uh, all of my animals are in here now. My goodness. <laughs> okay. Well, Marie, you, you, yeah, you'd mentioned that, you know, I, I'm glad you brought up the freshman because that was kind of the next question I was, or next thing I was going to go to before we talk about some off-court stuff, or I guess technically off-court stuff uh, for Lee Evolves. And that was the fact that, you know, you mentioned that that lineup where it's basically the youngest lineup Tennessee could possibly could be playing with four freshmen and, and sophomore uh, uh, Tess Darby out there. But I, I think you made a good point that, you know, I, I saw people even on Twitter saying, you know, what, when all the, when the freshmen were coming in, they're like, I kind of almost almost feel a little better about this game when the freshmen are in there, and I think that that's very telling because I, I look at Brooklyn Miles and her tenacity on defense and just her her way she can zip up and down the court, and I, I love her speed and what she, you know, her her potential of what she can turn into, and what she already is, but the players she can turn into, you know, down the line for Tennessee. But I think these freshmen, you know, I, we we have seen the Lady Vols again go eight nine deep because they are not afraid as you mentioned Nicole Harper not afraid to play her freshman and I think this is a game where you're going to have to play them and I, I I'm intrigued to see kind of the minutes that a Sarah Puckett or a, a Brooklyn Miles get in this game because you said that Louisville has some size but they're really a very they're, they're especially their scoring is a lot more guard oriented overall so this is a game where I expect to see maybe a little bit more of a Brooklyn miles because of the way she plays defense and, and the way she's able to affect things defensively. So I, I am kind of curious your, your, your take on, you know, you said this is a game where you're probably gonna have to log a lot of minutes. And I'm like, again, looking at just the second round, Sarah played 14 or 24, excuse me. Uh, Brooklyn played 13. Kaya played 12 and, and Caroline only played three, but she played three minutes that were, you know, I think key. And she's also, again, has played, uh, her her minutes have gone up here in the last I guess really almost a month of game uh, of of gameplay here for Lady Vols. So I think you're spot on. I think the the freshmen are going to play some um, pivotal moments and some pivotal minutes against Louisville here on Saturday. They they have to. I mean, mm-hmm. right now Stripling's coming in to give Tamari a break, and yeah. and she needs that. Um, yeah. Puckett, you know, she's played some longer minutes at times. Brooklyn with the way she can pressure the ball and, and will get moving. I mean, she just, like you said, she's tenacious. She, she elevates her intensity. And then Kaya is a big guard. I mean, she's a six foot guard that can bother shooters where you have to limit, particularly with four of them. And, you know, Kelly, we're not talking like Kelly played them like seven minutes. I mean, where fresh, the hardest part for freshmen is defense. And, you could you could see a little bit of slippage. They did really well. I've seen much greater slippage in earlier games where all of the screening and the switches and and that is a lot for a freshman to take in. And Belmont, you know, Belmont was attacking them a bit in the paint because they knew that was because it's really hard to attack those guards on the perimeter. And and Belmont had some experienced players, and you you can lose freshmen on multiple switches and screens because do they go under it? Do they go over it? And it, and you have to talk on defense, and freshmen don't always talk on defense, not because they don't want to, but because they don't know what to say. So I I was pleasantly surprised by that stretch and how they they handled it because they they didn't they didn't surrender the lead; they actually extended it. I think four points. So. So kudos to them. I, I'm not sure in a 
Sweet 16 game, you're going to see four freshmen and a sophomore all on the floor at the same time. I don't know. I mean, Kelly, right. Kelly can make that call, but it's, I mean, every, the further you get in this tournament, obviously to have survived for these 16 teams, they are doing something right and really well because they got here. And a lot of top teams that we expected to be here. I mean, Iowa was a favorite for the final four. Baylor was a, a, a contender for a national championship that, I mean, they're, they're done. Yep. And uh, that, that is a, uh, that is a surprise and, and not only a surprise, but to lose in Iowa city and to lose in Waco. Yeah. Right. And yeah, Tennessee right. certainly knows that had Tennessee lost in Knoxville. I mean, the narrative, it would have been exhausting. I mean, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm just, I thank you, Sarah Puckett for making everyone's off season a bit more pleasant because if you, I mean, Tennessee beating Louisville would be incredible and, and fans would love it. But if you lose to a one seed, as long as you played well and played hard and gave it everything you had, fans can live with that kind of outcome, knowing mm-hmm. what Kelly has lost in terms of injuries. So if you can beat them, I mean, like Kelly said, just just get there, get to the game and and let's see let's see what happens. And we already know Kelly could coach. I, I have said repeatedly, this roster with these hits and a lesser coach would have been about eight or nine in the SEC and would have had about 12, 14 losses. So yeah. she has established how well she can coach. She is also one of only two coaches to now take uh, four teams, uh, which she did it, you know, obviously, when she took them last year, four teams to the NCAA tournament. Jim Foster was the other one. Kelly's done it at Western Carolina, NC State, Missouri State, and now Tennessee. And she's now taken two teams to the Sweet 16 in Missouri State and now Tennessee. But just like you said, highly impressive. You don't, you don't do that if you're a bad coach. <laughs> no, you, no, she, she has, she, the X's and O's and the understanding of the game. She has a very mathematical mind and she's very big on numbers and matchups. Whenever you hear her talk about a team, she doesn't so much scout the team. She'll give an overview, but she goes everything about postseason is matchups. How do we match up with this team? And you've got to hope for some beneficial matchups in, in your favor. That you can uh, that you can use to your favor, and you got to deal with the places where you don't match up so well. I absolutely agree with you on that one. I, I'm a big uh, fan of Kelly Harbor, so you won't hear you won't hear much neg- negativity that isn't earned, at least uh, from me on about her. So, uh, but before we get you out of here, Maria, I know you've you know again don't want to keep you too long, but we gotta we gotta talk about the other big news for the Lady Balls. Like they got a win on Thursday without even being on the court. And that was in landing Mississippi State transfer forward Rakia Jackson. We had talked about her, I think, last time you and I were on, you know, that you came on the podcast here for the Lady of All Basketball Fever uh, because we were talking about, you know, the, the transfers that had visited. I think last time we talked was even before Jazz Powell had, had announced her commitment to Tennessee. So we had Jazz Powell who committed. I think she's going to be a huge piece. And but I think we talked about it because you talked about how uh, Jordan Walker was, you know, could play, you know, off off ball now more. So. Right, so we talked about that some, but with Rakia Jackson, I mean, she is a huge addition. Six uh, two junior from Detroit, again another Michigan player, another Detroit area player for the Lady Vols there with now Walker and Jazz. Uh, but played in fifteen games for State this year and averaged thirty five minutes, pl- averaged twenty point three points, six point eight rebounds, about an assist a game as well. Shot forty one percent overall and seventy three percent from the free throw line in sixty seven games for Mississippi State. Fifty seven of those being starts. 
She averaged 16.2 points, 5.3 rebounds, and 1.4 assists as well as shooting 44.4% overall. And, and not too bad from three. She doesn't shoot a ton of threes, but she shoots around 30% from three as well. Maria, I, I don't... This is a huge transfer addition for the Lady Vols in a lot of different ways. But, you know, I, I know Lady Vol fans value your take and your opinion on, on players and kind of how, you know, how they fit into the roster and stuff. So I would love to hear your opinion on what this means for the roster next year. Because I look at it as you have another... You know, you had a really good, you know, a legit post player with Alexis Die this year, but again, kind of undersized a little bit. Uh, Rakia's not undersized, and she's already played in the SEC, you know, for three seasons, so she has SEC experience and a lot of it. Uh, she's a player who I think can really change the makeup of the team next year because you're going, you know, you're losing um, Ray Burrell as a scorer. You have Rakia, you can add in there. It takes some of the pressure off Jordan Horston, so she doesn't have to be a do it all because you have someone else who is a, a good rebounder. You're bringing in to do these things. And it's about the same size as Jordan Horston pretty much too. So I, I, I want to hear your thoughts about Rakia because I think this, it can't be, I don't think it can be talked about enough about how big of an addition this is for next year's roster. She, she was the crown jewel of the transfer portal. Now more are going in. We're at that time of year where more are going in, but to say that she, I don't care who else goes in. She's one of the top three players who would have been in the transfer portal right away. I mean, right as of yesterday, she's number one player that everybody wanted. And when she entered it, I would imagine her poor phone or her mother's phone probably just exploded. <laughs> um, she was very low key. Mm-hmm. She would post a little bit on social media, but she made sure to hashtag everything not committed yet. She didn't say much at all on social media about anything. She visited Tennessee first, of course. She was here for that LSU game. Then she went to Texas. <laughs> And then she went to LSU. That was just last weekend when they played in the in-state tournament. Mm-hmm. I think initially the thought was that Texas would be the front runner because she committed to Mississippi State and played for Vic Schaefer. Yep. One season. Then, of course, he he uh, goes to Texas. And then Nikki mccray Pinson gets the job. She has to step down for health reasons. Now she, that's her second coach. Then Doug Novak gets the job as interim. That's her third coach. And – I think she was looking for a, a stable situation, uh, a, a, a climate and a culture that she felt more comfortable in, where she fit in. It's it's very big to her, you know, camaraderie with teammates and, and locker room chemistry and team chemistry. And that's tricky with every team. And sometimes it can just go awry. And clearly it was not working out for her at Mississippi State. Uh, the rumbling started in the last week that she was leaning towards Tennessee and you, you, but recruiting is like chasing snowflakes to get <laughs> yes. accurate information. And so you're waiting and waiting, you know, cause I don't, I believe it when the player says it one, if I, even if I knew it confirmed, I, I'm not stealing any players thunder. Mm-hmm. I was aware that this was likely to happen, but you still want to hear the players say it and make it because you can have a last. I mean, everybody thought coach Yo was leaving Ole Miss oh, for man. Georgia and yeah. she had a last minute pivot on that. So you don't jump until, until, you know, and as soon as she put that, I think it was about two o'clock this afternoon. I mean, social media exploded I, oh, because yeah. I, do, I think it surprised a lot of Tennessee fans. They did not see it coming. Yeah, just uh, on Twitter, like right as, right as it happened, but right, right, right after it happened. And I saw it and I was like, oh my goodness, I can't believe this. Like if today of all days, this happened. I was like, I, this is incredible. <laughs> so yeah, you're right. Like Twitter just exploded when it happened. 
Yeah, I mean, ESPN wrote a story, Slam wrote a story. I mean, the ball out media that tracks all this, the, I mean, national media, media, everybody was aware. I, one broadcaster said Jordan Horston and Rakia Jackson on the same team. Oh, man. Yeah, it's, I mean, on paper, you, you've, on paper, you've got three first round draft picks on, on Tennessee's roster next year. Tamari Key, Jordan Horston, and Rakia Jackson. Wow. Yeah, and now with now I'll be I will be curious to see. All right, how do how do you deal with the expectations sky high? That's a whole nother way to things to manage a team. But I mean, Kelly has been putting the building blocks in place with the players she's getting, the types of players she's getting, the competitive nature of players she's getting. But the one word I used that I was talking to the ball out later uh, after it happened was was seismic. This is a seismic shift for Lady Vol basketball because everybody knows Kelly can coach. Her coaching acumen is is absolutely not in question by anybody who who watches watches games and, and sees her and watches how she had I mean, even the Belmont coach said for her to reinvent her team twice this season and still yeah. get here. I mean you tell me any other team that lost its leading scorer, rebounder, assist leader and steals with a week and a half to go in the regular season. Uh, most teams a lot of teams don't even they don't. They don't bounce back from that. I mean, that's. You imagine some of the top teams in the top in the Sweet Sixteen now without their leading scorer. Where would they be? Mm-hmm. In a world of hurt. So, yeah. it is seismic. It also establishes. You know, everybody was asking, can Kelly get that big recruit? I mean, now Justine Passat is ranked eleventh in the country, a five star, uh, six four yeah. sharpshooter. So she'd really already answered that, but people haven't seen. Justine Passat, yeah. They haven't seen her play in college, and she'll be a freshman next year, so you always have to be patient with freshmen. Rakia Jackson is a proven SEC player. Yep. She can score. She can guard. She can rebound. She She's lightning quick. She's sick. I mean, 6'2". She was the number five team in the country in her high school class. With George, she and Jordan Horston are obviously the same high school class. She was the number two player at her wing position. Uh, the irony, too, is that she and Jordan Horston visited Tennessee together. That on their official visit, they came together, and Jordan ultimately chose Tennessee, and then Rakia, of course, chose uh, Mississippi State. Mm-hmm. Is- she had a great relationship with Mick Schaefer. I think that that was part of it, and I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure he he was hoping you know he was in the catbird seat there, but yeah. There's a difference between a 17 year old and a 20 year old. There's a lot of growth that happens there, and and. At this point, she's got time to think, all right, I've got one season left. What do I want? That's Because, I mean, she she would have a COVID year, but there's mm-hmm. absolutely no reason I, to take it. Yeah, yeah there, there's no reason for her to take that year. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I You made a great point. Like, thinking about in that context of having three first-round picks, like, that's the type of roster the Lady Vols used to have. And, like, that that's exciting to think about. You know, again, how does this team and how does Coach Harper – how do they perform under those expectations? You know, Kelly knew it from as, as a player. I, I think she will handle it fine. I, I just wonder these players, they came to Tennessee to help get it back to this level. Now, how do they handle the pressure when they have those expectations again, which that, that'd be a conversation I would love to have with you in the off season, Maria. Cause again, I don't want to keep you too long, but I think if I'm Tamari key, like I, I am very excited about the fact that I have uh, jazz Powell as a, as a point guard, probably you have Jordan Walker returning, who is, has played point guard for you and is capable as a, as a point guard, but you know, as a two guard slash point guard, you know, I have Jordan Horston and Rakia Jackson. Like if I'm Tamari key, I'm thinking, okay, good luck double teaming me because <laughs> uh, I'm going to have all kinds of 
lanes to the basket now because if you double team me you're leaving one of these other four open and that doesn't even include the bench players you have for next year who will be all these freshmen who will be sophomores and then again you have Justin Passat coming in who is a very very talented probably one of the best incoming freshman lay balls I've had in a while in my opinion um so this team again I know it's already looking ahead next year we're still in the middle of this not in the middle we're still this year and lay balls have a game to go on Saturday but Maria it's it's hard not to get excited about the potential of next year's team when you look at who they're bringing in, who's coming back, and just kind of the potential of the development of this team and, and the the chemistry. I, I'm hoping to be able to interview Rikia. We'll see. Again, I know, you, like you said, she doesn't talk on social media much. I don't know if she'll talk to the media much in general, but when I interviewed Jazz Powell here for Lady of All Basketball Fever, she had mentioned about the culture. About that was that was one of the huge reasons she picked Tennessee was because of you know talking with Coach Harper and talking with the players and on her visit, she's like, I just, the culture here, the family atmosphere, just the way that they all care about each other genuinely, like really spoke to her. I'm willing to bet if I get a chance to talk to Rikia, that'll be the same thing that she mentions, because it just seems like a lot of players, their prospects and stuff have mentioned time and time again about the uh, culture of Lady Vols and how much it is really, I mean, if you look at it where it was, you know, not that it was a, a, a you know, a cesspool or anything like that, but look at where kind of the culture and just the, the perception of the Lady Vols was three or four years ago, it's vastly different now than it was then. It's and it's always going to be. I mean, it's a. I mean, Pat had to deal with it too. You mm-hmm. get a lot of really good players on one roster. There's there's management that needs to be done. Mm-hmm. But if you if Kelly has put the foundation in place and established the culture and established what she wants on the court, off the court, academics, and I mean, they're college kids. I, I mean, I'm not going to say they're perfect angels because I, I mean, it's been a long time, but I know what college kids do <laughs> across the country, every sport, every, non-athletes, it's college. You're going to have some fun. So, but Kelly has established what her expectations are. And, and Rakia is not, she knows a lot of these players. I mean, she knows mm-hmm. Jasmine Powell. They know each other from from Michigan. She knows Jordan Walker. She, she knows Jordan Horston very well. They played, um, they played basketball together. They've been on mm-hmm. some, they've overlapped at times. So, I mean, and Jordan was in the Ohio circuit and they were in the Michigan circuit and, and they played, you know, summer AAU ball all the time. So she's not coming here, not knowing the team. I, I remember when she was being recruited. I mean, she was a, I mean, she was a big-time target. Every time she was out on the road, Holly Warlick was right there. That is somebody Tennessee wanted badly. I know Dean Lockwood was here then. They mm-hmm. wanted her badly. She, I mean, this she is an elite talent, and uh, she's also a proven talent. She's not a freshman elite talent anymore. She has established she can play in the SEC. She can dominate in the SEC. So, so you're right. You, you've now reached the point you have to play Tamari straight up and you cuz you cannot leave those perimeter players alone you cannot you cannot play off Jordan Horston you cannot play off Rakia Jackson no nope. uh exactly. Jordan Walker has proven she can get to the paint and score i mean Jasmine Powell is is somebody who can shoot threes too and, and she's an outside i mean she's a pure point guard she's an outstanding passer she can drive and kick i mean you close in on her She's going to find this. Somebody's going to be open. Somebody's going to be wide open. Now you get a player like Justine Passat, get her acclimated, get her some minutes like Kelly did these freshmen. I mean, if she really has range to 25 feet, she's going to find the floor. I mean, oh yeah. so it all has to come together. And 
Light candles all summer, Lady Ball fans. The injury gods are much kinder to you next season than they were this season because it, this was a brutal year of injuries. Or what, what they really just how they've been all, all of Kelly's three years here. Like, please, can we have a healthy season for Kelly Harper at Tennessee? Please. Um, but Marie, I've already kept you a little longer than I've been to, so I will let you go. You know, okay. again, please. I know, I know, everyone listening knows who you are and knows where to find your stuff. But you know, plug some things. I know you have stuff on Rikia. You have stuff on the Sweet Sixteen. So. Let our, our listeners know or our viewers know, you know, what you have in the, you know, on on two four seven and kind of what you have coming up too. Yeah, go Vols two four seven. Um, it's you can find all my stories there. There's a very active message board there if you want to be a subscriber. We talk a lot there. Obviously, that's where news like this gets first because as soon as I hit publish, it pops there and people get notifications and, and there it is. I think she committed it. At two, and I think my story published at two o three. So, all I had to do was just take the hold off, change the date. There's a sneaky way in any back system that I, you can date it to like two thousand twenty six. So <laughs> let's say it accidentally got published, it would not show up for four years. So you can then you have to go back into the system and, and you know let it know that you're really it's really two thousand twenty two. So it's 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 one of my fail safe methods of never preempting anybody by what I think is going to happen and, and, you know, let, let players have, have their moment. So you can find me there. Uh, obviously wrote a book about Pat, the final season. That's at, at various online re- on top line spots. Apparently I was on WBIR at six tonight. I have not seen it myself. They came out to my house. I was work from home. They took some pictures of my memorabilia, like you see behind me and did interviews about getting to the sweet 16 and Kelly and Pat. So I'll, I'll have to look for it later, but it, maybe it'll rerun at 11. So I know that's out there too. Well, yeah, be sure to send me a, a, some clips of that. And I'll, I'll tweet it out from the, or retweet it if you post it onto the Vol Basketball Fever uh, Twitter handle too. So absolutely, you'll check out Maria's work. And again, Lady Vols, 4 o'clock Eastern on Saturday against Louisville on ESPN2. Be sure to watch. I mean, everyone listening to this is going to be watching, I know, but uh, I'm very excited about that game. But thank you all so much again for watching slash listening. Again, like this video, subscribe to our channel and subscribe to the podcast as well. Big thank you to Maria for joining me on this episode. Big thank you to all the guests I've had so far this year on Lay Ball Basketball Fever. And a big thank you to all of you for listening and watching. Signing off for Maria, I'm Nathaniel, and this has been another episode of the Lady Vol Basketball Fever Podcast. Podcast.